0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Caravan Podcast, a show about Pakistan's startup ecosystem where we have intimate conversations with founders and investors driven to catapult Pakistan into the digital age. We'll discuss what it's really like to start a business, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, the comebacks, the lessons, everything. I'm your host, as always, Ahmad Mia, partner at Caravan, a community-driven venture capital platform. Now, given the nascent ecosystem, there's a massive spread between the talent in the country and the resources that are available to support them. Our mission at Caravan is to close that gap by providing both capital and expertise at the earliest of stages. You can find more information about Caravan at www.caravan.vc. In this episode, I sit down with Khuram Zafar, co-founder of 47 Ventures, an international VC based out of Lahore. So without further ado, let's get straight to Khuram.
1: Uh, country director for 47 Ventures, which is a Pakistan-focused international venture capital fund um, that's investing exclusively in Pakistan. We set the fund up and so we started working on it in, in 2016, so it took us about a year, um, maybe slightly longer, 14 15 months to package it all up, put it together. Our initial uh, desire was to create a fund in Pakistan, a venture capital fund in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to wasting a lot of time going back and forth with FPR, with SCP, um, you know, uh, State Bank trying to understand the the, the regulations and reporting requirements and, uh, you know, what kind of you know tax breaks and getting clarifications on tax breaks is, you know, sort of, um, uh, a strange, strangely worded regulations about tax breaks for setting up private equity funds, but uh, they didn't have a lot of clarity. So we ended up spending a lot of time doing that and eventually decided that it's better to just park it outside. It's international capital anyways. Um, our... Uh, thought was that uh, it'll be easier uh, for the first fund to raise money from outside of Pakistan anyways. And once we have uh, able to show some successes out of the fund, um, then we can go to local investors and pitch to them and have them invest in a perhaps a local fund, which is either a parallel fund to our international fund, or maybe we can just create uh, a Pakistan-based fund uh, as, as fund two. And in the meantime, the plan was to lobby with the regulators, you know, SPNFPR and State Bank. Uh, I now love the wrinkles that are uh, in the regulations. And Alhamdulillah, that work is going well. There are a lot of us that have now banded together, we constantly communicate with SECP, with the State Bank, and trying to get, you know, this playing this, uh, field uh, level for anybody else who wants to create a fund going forward. Uh, it's not all settled, but, uh, we're moving in the right direction. Recently, I don't know if you uh, read up on the, the changes in the company's law. A lot of that was uh, based on that effort, which you know, basically, essentially the startup and investor community in Pakistan yeah. uh, had been actively lobbying with the SECP to make amendments in the company law to recognize things like sweat equity and vesting schedules and option pricing and share buybacks and things like that. Um, Which you know, if uh, somebody who doesn't have uh, a a strong desire to build and grow a company in Pakistan uh, would almost always, uh, you know, choose to park it outside of the country, capitalize that entity, and just you know move the operating expenses from the the international offgo to the local offgo. Yeah. So we're trying to make it easier for people to create. Fund and grow companies within Pakistan.
0: Is 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 one point is like, it's to a, a, like, if you're bringing outside capital, लोगों को वो but like there there is that question of viability and inherent uh, risk of, of, of government, which, Pakistan which if you're an outside investor, you look at if you're investing directly into Pakistan can you, are you able to re- redirect that money back? So are you able to... Yeah, so that's what I was going to say.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The issue is not bringing money into Pakistan. <laughs> There's almost uh, no hurdle in yeah. bringing the money into Pakistan. They, they allow you to take it in. Uh, you can park it in a bank account. The challenge is how do you take the money out? So yeah. anybody any legitimate money that's coming into the country Either as equity or debt, or, or, you know, whatever instrument in, into a Pakistani company. Uh, people are investing because they want to take more money than they invest back out of the country. Yeah. Um, and even the, the current account deficit, you know, scenario, although it's improving quite a bit, but still, uh, you know, there's this uh, inherent bias at the, the state bank uh, with the banks to make it very difficult to move capital outside of the country. Now, I'm not talking about you know, large uh, you know, multi-million dollar um, conglomerates like the telcos and very you know, large companies that are able to do that because they have an army of lawyers and uh, you know, people who are running their, their operations and deal with regulators and, and such. Well, I'm talking about startups, young companies where yeah. you invest and uh, you know you want to take either some uh, interest and come back or you want to take some capital gains back or dividends back. Uh, it's not very easy to do. And uh, just, you know, going uh, as far back as 2017, uh, we still don't have our investments fully registered with everyone yet. Um, mm-hmm. The state bank registration is still pending. Uh, which is you know depending on the nature of investment v ninety five ninety seven v ninety six forms uh, they uh, which basically give us the right to take back any capital gain proceeds or dividends you know in lieu of our investment back out of the country we still don 't have that and it 's been over two years right? now it 's going to happen eventually it 's just you know it 's a very painful and very long drawn process and we 're trying to work with state bank and you know ever since Raza Bakir. Um, has been at the helm of uh, the bank. Uh, things are moving really fast. He's taking a lot of interest. He's meeting the industry stakeholders personally. He's expediting things, taking decisions, you know, while sitting in the meeting. So, love the guy. I think he's going he's gonna to make things happen and hopefully a lot of these issues will be addressed. But, you know, the, the challenge has been there for the past two, two and a half years or so. For, uh, not, not just us, but any other investors who are investing in the country. So, yes, the challenge is there, bringing money into the country, taking money out of the country. uh, You know, it's a leap of faith uh, at the end of the day. And what a lot of investors are now resorting to is they are uh, setting up international holdco, which is a breeze to set up. You you can sit at your computer right now and within, you know, the next uh, few minutes, you can have a company registered in Singapore. Uh, And I'm not, Talking about a shady jurisdiction, right? Talking about a legitimate, well-expected, yeah. lots of case, one case precedence jurisdiction. You could do everything online. The only process where they need physical proximity is to do a KYC when you open a bank account. Anyone, you know, there are workarounds. You can, uh, you know, have somebody you know, uh, you know, sign up as an initial director, open the bank account, and you can do online banking after that or you can make a quick trip to Singapore and, and get this formality taken care of. But they made it very easy to set up companies, to invest companies, to bring money in, to bring money out. And uh, a lot of the investors are now doing that. Uh, they are setting up these whole costs, capitalizing um, the companies there, letting bulk of the capital park there. Uh, within Pakistan, If uh, whatever operating expenses, they, they have to pay for, the money moves in. And, you know, the the value is accruing in this international holdco for uh, an operation which is primarily a Pakistan-focused operation. Now, there are business reasons for doing that as well. Uh, you know, as, as fund managers, they have fiduciary responsibility to structure, you know, the deal in a way where it's, uh, uh, you know, fiscally prudent. Um, down the road, when you're raising money, it's a lot easier to raise money for a single or Delaware or... You know, any entity outside of Pakistan, it's easier to raise I mean, yeah. to be speaking. Uh, the other is if you want to expand internationally, take your operations out, healthcare service or delivery service or you know whatever mobile service. Uh, you want to move it to you know the Middle East, to the uh, uh, you know you know Far East somewhere. Then uh, it's a lot easier to do that from that international uh, entity. Uh, exits are a lot easier for uh, companies that are based outside of the country compared to. the you know uh, companies that are here in Pakistan, um, but there are challenges there. It's it's a huge challenge to get Pakistani resident uh, founders and entrepreneurs to have square equity in those companies. Uh, it's not really easy. Yeah. I mean, you could you could do it without informing the state bank, but down the road it might become a challenge when uh, they they realize that value and they have to you know do something with that money. So those are things that we are actively lobbying the state bank for.
0: Now on on so you work on two levels, right? So you're working with government and you're trying to change jurisdiction and, and make those laws better. Like you know, what are you doing for and how are you going about deal flow and for I mean the work that you do with LUMS, for instance, and the work that you do with NIC and 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 how do you kind of go bottom up now for for deal flow and for, for investments that you've made?
1: So, Mahath, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to um, have been plugged into the ecosystem for a very long time, You know, going as far back as 2011, 2012, uh, when uh, I was part of the team that founded uh, an incubator called Plan 9 and, and Punjab government uh, there was a seven-person board. Uh, we made a uh, uh,
0: presentation
1: to Shabash, Shree, who was enamored by uh, and, uh, the creation of an incubator for the youth. And, you know, that this entrepreneurial journey in my mind, because I've been here in Pakistan since in 2005, 2006, when I moved back from the valley, um, you know, it, it really sort of uh, caught limelight with the creation of Plan 9. And then, you know, there was a whole uh, slew of incubators and accelerators and co-working spaces that started getting uh, created after that. Um, and one thing that is so so it has been a journey. It has been a journey of uh, you know just introducing and evangelizing the concept of entrepreneurship among the youth. Uh, back in 2012, 13, uh, most of the people when they were graduating out of good universities, the only viable uh, career choice they would consider is working for a multinational company. That used to be the you know the, the I, I've made it you know out, out of college. Um, and fast forward you know five six years after that entrepreneurship became a very viable alternative career choice um, when uh, we created the lump Center for entrepreneurship back in 2014 I believe I remember in the earlier year we used to go to job fairs and set up a booth for lump Center for entrepreneurship and we used to say we're not here to give you a job but if you want to be a job creator come and come and join us right we'll we'll hold your hand we'll take you through that journey and we'll you know help you um, uh, you know, you know, if you if you have something that you're passionate about, uh, if uh, you know, you can put together a strong team who's equally passionate about, you know, a big problem that they want to solve, we will help you with that journey. And with did, did that, you know, since 2012, um, early 13, starting from Plan 9 to the Enlum Center for Entrepreneurship, the National Incubation Center, uh, it's been a journey that has um, uh, been, you know, with the the like a bottoms up journey uh, just creating hype about entrepreneurship uh, making people talk about it um, giving parents I remember very early on one of our first cohorts it was a um, uh, a bunch of uh, four lums kids uh, they were I think in the uh, sophomore year if I'm not mistaken and they wanted to uh, set up a company and uh they, uh, they, the concept was setting up a, um, a, a state of the art tandoor. They realized was, you know, roti or naan is one of the most consumed products in the country, and demand for that is never going to end. But yet, the, the experience of buying a roti is one of the, the happiest in, in the country. So, anyway, long story short, when they were opening their first tandoor, uh, it was called Maro Tandoors, they, uh, you know, they had invited you know, a bunch of people, their parents and, uh, you know, some uh, folks from uh, Lum Center for Entrepreneurship and and the university. And one of the parents, you know, pulled me aside and made a comment that, look, uh, uh, we have invested, you know, all the money we had and we had earned all our life and you made uh, our kids uh, set up a tandoor, right? And we thought that we were sending them to Lums, and, you know, they're gonna graduate with a fancy degree and and start working for a multinational company. So it, it wasn't hip to, to be an entrepreneur. People didn't know what a startup was, you know, eight years ago. And, uh, you know, sort of being part of this journey with a lot of other very committed, very passionate people. And, uh, you know, getting to a stage where now, in fact, a lot of the, the kids, when they graduate, they want to, you know, start a startup. Uh, it, is, it has become almost a, a fad now.
0: Yeah, and a sexy. lot of people
1: say this, You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's not right, but I don't see a problem with that. I see that that as sort of a dual funnel, right? You have to have lots of excitement, hype, fad, whatever you want to call it at the top. That's you know making people excited, business or creating jobs, solving big problems, and then there has to be uh, a stream. An automated curation process that you know filters out you know the, the, the best amongst them and they, they keep moving down the funnel and many you know very large successful companies emerge out of that. If the funnel is narrow at the top, the output is going to be narrow as well, right? So I completely agree. I think that is good. I think hype is good. I think that people excited about this you know entrepreneurial journey.
0: But one thing that if okay, if the funnel is big, and as you go down that funnel, it needs to get better and you need to have different resources at each element of that funnel, right? Like you can't just think that um, anyone from the top is going to be the same as the bottom. So the resources that you need at the top are much more handholding, much more education, yeah. um, uh, much more mentorship. And as you kind of go along those lines, then it becomes mentorship towards specific industries, specific once you have an idea, then you have, um, how can you help strategize for this particular business and how can you create a business plan? And then state like, how can you um, create a business plan that is actually can be made into a business? You know exactly how to go and get a license or you know what a hold co is or you know what an ESOP plan is and all of these different things, right? And like my question to you would be, do you think that in Pakistan currently today, we have resources to support each level of that funnel, and who would that be?
1: Yeah, I think we do. I think uh, it's nowhere close to uh, a lot of the mature ecosystems out there, uh, but I think we're doing very well for uh, an ecosystem that's relatively nascent, seven eight years old, uh, compared to I. I wouldn't even begin to compare ourselves with the Silicon Valley, right? So not, yeah. not yet, at least. You know, it's started, you know, post-World War II, right? So just look at the sheer amount of time that they've had to mature and evolve uh, as an entrepreneurial ecosystem. I mean, here, you know, the the, the apex of uh, anybody's life used to be, you know, landing a government job, right? That used to be the, you know, pinnacle of your achievement. Yeah. Pakistan until uh, you know, a couple of decades ago. So uh, I, I think we've come a long way if you, you know, back in 2012 and where we are right now, where, you know, we, we, uh, we, ha- we have a unicorn practically, you know, uh, MPG, uh, com has yep. raised money and you know, also a billion dollar valuation it 's a company is founded by Pakistanis predominantly you know all developed in Pakistan uh, Pakistan is one of the largest markets uh, yes, happened to raise money from outside of Pakistan, but that 's okay every every startup right now that uh, we, we, we are an international fund and we started investing in. Uh, uh, would say that oh you raise money from outside of Pakistan, right? so so this is you know will eventually graduate where startups will be founded by Pakistanis in Pakistan, they'll raise money from Pakistan, they'll you know grow in Pakistan and they'll exit from with, within Pakistan, but that's that's a longer journey. But if you if you keep everything in perspective, I think we've done phenomenally well to to start this entrepreneurial journey in a in a concerted manner. I'm sure you know startups existed before that, they um, we were one-offs so and and they a few very prominent names that, that come to mind. And I'm sure incubation centers existed before that as well. But, you know, it it's all caught the attention of the, the masses, um, you know, starting in 2012, 2013 time frame or so. So in that seven, eight years, I think we've done phenomenally well. And there's everything from, uh, you know, early stage incubators to accelerators to uh, angel investors that are very friendly, spend a lot of time with the founders and help them grow and open doors for them and ask them tough questions and help them with their decision-making to early-stage VCs, micro-VCs, to late-stage VCs. And what we don't have right now is perhaps somebody who can uh, carry a Series B round uh, in Pakistan, but there are plenty of regional. Once you get to a stage where, you, where you're raising 5 10 million bucks, million, uh, there are lots of regional players that then you know, uh, you can uh, you can reach out to and uh, consider investment uh, in a company to that ticket size because there's a lot of validation of the business model that has happened. Hopefully the team is there, early in- investors are there and you know, their experience is there and they can help open doors as well. <coughs> so um, um, in another few years, uh, we're going to have a fund that's, you know, maybe $100 million fund or $50 million funds that does only B investments in Pakistani startups. I can totally see that, you know, the, the, our, our journey has been very promising, very rapid. And, uh, you know, knowing Pakistan and, you know, just drawing parallels to some other experiences in other industries, uh, I think we're a nation that loves to celebrate success. And uh, you know stories like Zameen.com, or you know, you know, this was a fundraise, but you know, I I, I hope and uh, uh, you know pray that they actually have a, a nice exit. Uh, everybody involved as well. Uh, and once those stories uh, are out there, and people have something to latch onto and celebrate. Then people, you know, start. Opening. There's lots of money in Pakistan. Uh, I mean, you go around, you talk to people. Industrialists who've been doing business in Pakistan. Lakin, it's I would. I I, would I, 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 you know, I I. Putting it in. View.
0: I would put a point there, Lakin. Like I would. I would. I would put a very big caveat there, because there is a lot of money in Pakistan, but I don't think that a lot of that money is going into startups and VC, um, which is something that we saw in, in the UAE and in the Middle East as well, where it was a lot of these family offices in Kibas Pesata and there was that mentality of we're going to own the company but there required a big learning curve for the family offices to come online and to start looking at venture as, as, uh, as an output for that money, as a, as a hold for that money. And now there are so many family offices that are looking at startups as, as a potential for, for investing and in, in, uh, over real estate. And I don't think... Pakistan Yes, exactly. That's,
1: that's precisely what I was saying. A lot of the capital from these you know, wealthy families and wealthy individuals, it's uh, uh, primarily been parked in real estate or you know, some in public equities. Uh, but that is beginning to change. If you look at, you know, uh, Hamayo, Hamayo Mazer from yeah. uh, Crest Ventures, Crescent Group, a really large uh, uh, industrial group in Pakistan, they they co-invested with us one of the startups, uh, you look at uh, Fatma Group, uh, Adi Mukhtar, uh, Mukhtar they, you know, large traditional uh, industrial conglomerate, started investing in Pakistan, in, in startups. Uh, you look at Shoaib, uh, uh, Zaid Malik from uh, the, uh, the Kasser Group, yeah. uh, they've started investing in startups. Look at, uh, you know, the Street group, Shariar, Shariar. they've started uh, investing in startups. So, I mean, I can it, it lack sense, uh, for example. So it's beginning to happen. It, it it has to be a journey. We can't just you know expect to sleep and wake up the next day and everything has changed and we're you know living in the Silicon Valley. But, but my point is that the, the pace of development has been very very encouraging. Uh, yeah. And uh, I I think as we get some success stories, um, people will you know convert and and uh, find faith in entrepreneurship and, and start investing in droves.
0: Of course. So uh, I, last question for you Khuram, if you could describe three of the most important lessons that you've learned in your journey so far.
1: Yeah, there are tons of lessons. I could uh, speak about that you know, for hours at length, but. Uh, I think Pakistan really uh, puts your patience to test. Um, growing up, I went to a school where the motto was uh, perseverance commands success. And uh, when going to school, we didn't really, you know, give it much thought, and we didn't quite know what that what that means. Uh, but then leaving Pakistan, going outside, you know, uh, doing my engineering, working uh, in the valley. Uh, over a decade or so and then coming back, you start to realize that in order to accomplish anything in Pakistan, you really have to persevere, you need to have a lot of patience and uh, one thing that uh, doesn't work in Pakistan is, uh, you know, just pure merit or a pure business plan. I think the one thing uh, that uh, was a lesson learned for me in Pakistan is that in order to get anything meaningful done in Pakistan, you need to know the right people. You need to have a good network. You have to invest in building relationships, cultivating relationships, and getting people to open doors for you. And that's one of the things that I keep telling the, all the entrepreneurs that we invest in as well, that you know, don't think that just because uh, you are a cool and very and really passionate and hardworking bunch of founders and you have a great business model, uh, people are going to open their doors for you. I mean, forget about investors. I mean, taking uh, a, a simple product or service to an industrial customer is very difficult in Pakistan. Just because, um, you know, you have the fancy product and you are promising to, you know, offer them value for the, for the money that you're, you're asking them to uh, uh, invest in your product. Um, you will need a way to reach out and open doors and need warm introductions and, you know, sort of eventually uh, cultivate a network that becomes one of the the biggest assets as an entrepreneur in in the country. And uh, I I don't see a lot of people um, give that a lot of importance. They think that just because we're doing the right thing, uh, right things will happen with us. Uh, that doesn't happen in Pakistan. Unfortunately, we're not there. Eventually, we'll get there. Uh, but uh, that's that's one of the things that I've learned. Uh, second, you know, it's it's just a, a you know the same thing as I said earlier. It requires a lot of perseverance and things things takes take time, and you can't give up easily. You just have to persevere, and and uh, eventually, um, you know, doors do open, and uh, you know you can uh, you can get good outcomes and and you know make, make a difference
0: thank you so much for listening if you guys have any comments your feedback please do send them my way my direct email address Ahmad at caravan.vc Or now you can have or information hasil kar on our website which is www.caravan.vc or on instagram um, our handle is at caravan.vc until next time khuda hafiz Thank mm-hmm.